everybody welcome to the 167th edition of the holy backboard podcast i'm dustin here in rip city and i got my man sage man uh right back at it man there's some blazers news already going for those listening to back i know for those listening though on some real shit on some real shit give 166 a listen because we got a north carolina fanatic up in the place well actually i should clarify a tar heels fanatic up in the place to talk about Nasir Little and Dustin and I are here to talk about the trade that just happened earlier today. I mean, I'm sitting there, got back from my run, got out of the shower, e- eating my PB and J, you know, just, just chilling. And all of a sudden get that text notey. Whoa. the Blazers have traded Evan Turner for Kent Bazemore? And obviously the first reaction is here we go. It's it's starting to pick up before free agency kicks off on, on June 30th. But then you always want to give it like eight to ten minutes because Woj always has a follow-up tweet. Either he's including extra details on the trade or or what that trade really mean means. And unless you've been living under a rock, Neil Olshay is Woj's source. They are tied at the hip. That is the only dude who leaks Blazers news. So in fact, that was the deal. It is Evan Turner for Kent Bazemore. There is nothing else, no compensation. It's player for player. Portland does take about an extra $600,000 in salary on the contract of, of Kent Bazemore, but both players have their contracts expiring at the end of the 2020 season. And Sage, just, just knee-jerk reaction. What was your initial thought? Well, I was editing the Nasir Little podcast that is out on iTunes right now, um, just to promote that one. Uh, but when I saw it, I was just like, yeah, Evan Turner is gone. I enjoy him as a person. Uncle annoys me. And then the second thought was, they're trusting Penny with that backup point guard spot. And that got me excited because that rookie year, he didn't really play. And I think that was part of the plan. You ease him into the NBA lifestyle. This year, he's going to have some responsibility. And I saw a lot of people were worried about, like, is he is he ready? There's one way to find out, and that's to put him in for 15 minutes a game and see what happens. That That's what really excited me about this. The added spacing definitely helps CJ because he, he likes to cut in the paint and do dribble moves. So Kent Bazemore is going to add added spacing. But what it really excited me was Penny. Absolutely. And to touch on the Woj follow-up tweet, basically says that this is insurance. If Rodney Hood decides to depart, and it's not Evan Turner insurance at all. You hit the nail on the head. Neil O'Shea has been hyping up Anthony Simons for quite some time now, and it looks like he really was a steal where Portland was able to take him in that 2018 draft. I believe it was 24th overall. And just as we talked about on the the last podcast in reference to Nasir Little, when we were touching on other prospects that went ahead of him, one of them was Darius Baisley, and he was an unknown. 
Well, Portland, I think, got a little lucky with the unknown in Anthony Simons because had he went to school and balled out, he's likely a top five, top ten pick, and you know we're only wishing we would have been able to acquire him. So in this instance, it really pays off in dividends for Portland, and you're completely correct. There's only one way to find out. It's throwing him into the fire, into the deep end, and seeing how he reacts. I don't know how many other players would have – done much better in that final game of the season. Yes, your coach playing six players doesn't send a message of complete importance uh, of the game, but regardless, this kid is 19 years old, played all 48 minutes, at least half of those were up against Buddy Heald and De'Aaron Fox, and more than held his own. Is he going to have to to you know become a better defender? Absolutely. But the beauty of being a backup point guard is more times than not, you're defending backup point guards. He's not going to have to defend guys like Deer and Fox for long stretches of time. And this is really why the Blazers were able to make this trade. Evan Turner was envisioned as the ball handler, the facilitator for that second unit. He might get you spot buckets on the post up, you know, uh, a capable passer at times, albeit he did like to throw a lot of risky passes and he was a little bit careless, but it just, it never came to fruition over the three years in rip city for, for Evan Turner really was just getting three dimes a night, but also combating that with three to four turnovers a night, really a player who, when you saw him check into the game, you kind of just groaned to be completely honest. There's nothing to do with about Evan Turner, the human being by all accounts loved in the locker room, a great guy, funny as hell. One of the best dressers loved having him as a part of the team. But when you've devoted $17 million and he's supposed to be your backup point guard and he's by all intended purposes, intents and purposes, Unplayable. Yes, he played fantastic in that fourth quarter game seven against Denver. But is that really all we're going to remember him by on the court? Because to me, it's more of the carelessness with the basketball. And I think it's time for both parties to to move on. And the beautiful thing about the NBA, the contracts are guaranteed. Evan's going to get paid regardless. So, you know, don't feel sorry for him. But I think this signals a few things. One, you said it. The team is really looking for Anthony Simons to to take over not only Evan Turner's minutes, but probably Seth Curry's role as well. He could likely be the fourth leading scorer uh, on this roster. Third, possibly, with, with Nurk on the shelf for the first, at least the first half of the season. Two, who knows what the market is for Rodney Hood? I mean, I want him back. He's my number one priority, but Neil O'Shea is being proactive and finding his replacement. And then three, we've kind of discussed this all offseason. The Blazers are going to have to moneyball this shit. It's hard to get under the salary cap. We saw what Brooklyn had to do to make extra room, and they had to give up two first-round picks just to unload Alan Crabb's contract to the Atlanta Hawks. They are just the dumping ground of bad contracts, man. They got they – got- Evan Turner, they got Solomon Hill, they got Alan Crabb. That's a lot of money in 2016 mistakes. Absolutely. And the Blazers, they're just going to have to be smart. And I think Neil O'Shea regrets the 2016 offseason. Obviously, it is a big reason why we are in this position currently. But you live, 
and you learn. And hopefully the Blazers have learned from, from those, those poor contract decisions. And what I encourage fans to think about and to keep into perspective, the 2019 Western Conference Finals team, that's not the same team that started opening night. One, we were able to acquire Rodney Hood, and then we picked up Ennis Cantor as a buyout candidate. Let's remember what we had to give up for Rodney Hood. It was Wade Baldwin, Nick Stauskas, who was signed for the veteran minimum in the offseason, and two second-round picks. Portland's success is going to also allow them to be an active player at the buyout market as well. There's going to be a lot Hmm. of good talent, just like there is year after year, that gets bought out. Players and agents are going to see the the success that Ennis Cantor had, especially if he gets a nice payday this offseason. And they're going to direct their clients to Portland, that we are a desired destination. And just because we may not be the flashiest team or make the splashiest moves in the offseason, you know, when that team lines up late October to kick off opening night, that doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be the team that we're going to be rolling with heading into playoffs. So we have to stay patient. We have to trust our management and we have to believe that that Dame and CJ and Terry, they're going to keep us afloat until the big fella gets back. And then who knows, maybe we make a move at the deadline and we're able to go really all in, but it is a process. And this is just a very good first step. Second step, I should say, because getting Nasir little at 25 and swapping Bazemore for Evan Turner. To me, that is already a really solid start to the offseason. What do you think about Kemp Bazemore, the player? Have you uh, paid attention to him? What's funny is uh, I remember a couple of years ago on the podcast, Bazemore was our boo bear. He was like, oh, yeah. He was a guy that we both wanted to go after in 2016. I mean, I loved him just as an energy guy on the bench with, with Golden State. And then he had that really good year with the with the Lakers in 2014. And then he and then he really uh earned that contract with the Hawks. I mean he he was really balling for Atlanta, averaging you know double figures, hitting a 35% clip from, from downtown and just he's an athletic wonder can play strong defense, and he has a just it, – it, it. I don't know what it's in the water when you're born left-handed, but if you're a lefty and you shoot a basketball, it's, it's like it's ingrained in your DNA that you have just the silkiest stroke. And his stroke looks so pretty when he's got it locked in. And, yes, his three-point percentage took a dip in 2019, but let's not forget – he shot 39% on almost four and a half attempts in 2018. So there's no reason to believe that it won't return, especially playing in a Terry Stotts offense and playing alongside Damon CJ, where you know he's going to get those open looks. And I mean, like last year he was playing with Trey Young, who's a rookie, and he's trying to get his feet wet too in the NBA. So he's not going to be delivering Chris passes like Damian Lillard, who's a veteran in the game. Yo, he he had there were circumstances to Kent Bazemore's lack of production last year, so I'm not really worried about a regression because he's still gonna. All you have to do to be a good Terry Stotts player is play your ass off on defense and hit open threes, and he has shown an ability to hit threes for a long time. My yo man, like I used to play 
2K for money. And back when the like the the 62 win Atlanta Hawks team was popping, that was my squad, man. I remember just dominating people online playing with Kent Bazemore. Like, dude, I have good memories with Kent, man. He he's an athletic freak. He can shoot. I mean, he has some creativity too, man, and he can blam it. I think we're really we've this offseason has been dedicated to getting guys that are athletic enough to be on the floor in playoff time. Because Nasir has the potential, and Kent Bazemore has been on the playoff on the floor during playoff time too. So I think I think we're really thinking about like team construction in the most important moments. And you have to also factor into his drop off in production that the Hawks drafted Kevin Herter, and they were a big time development team. They were going to play younger players and, and see what they have. They also had a, a clog at that wing. So along with Kevin Herter, you had Vince Carter. You had DeAndre Bembry and you had Torian Prince. That is that mm-hmm. is a lot of like talented players of the same caliber. And and you know what Kent is. Torian Prince that was a question. Kent Bazemore, outside of Vince Carter, Kent Bazemore was the vet on that team. He's gonna turn 30 on July 1st. And he's been a mainstay of that Hawks rosters. I mean, he's been there five years. So he was definitely the longest tenured Atlanta Hawk. And I've read online that a lot of Atlanta Hawk fans, they're not really excited about this trade. They're complaining they weren't able to even get a second round pick out of the deal. A lot of people are starting to believe that their GM, um, I think his name's like Travis Schlick, uh, Mm. is doing Bays a solid, moving him to a contender. I mean, they shed about a million dollars in salary they just drafted Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter as well. So there is even less room for Baysmore. So I think the Blazers were in perfect position, just kind of swoop in and take a player who was outcast from a roster that really didn't suit his, his um, what he offers from a developmental perspective and from a, a skill set. So, you know, Portland mm-hmm. is, is a great, a great, great stomping ground. If you're looking to be, you know, a reclamation, um, look at Rodney hood. I mean, look at Ennis Cantor, this team, this culture really revitalizes talent. And I think that's what you're going to see this off season, no matter who Portland tries to to bring back, whether it's the full mid-level or the tax mid-level, if they try to keep it internal or they go external in, in finding that player, they do a really great job of empowering their players and putting them in the best positions to succeed. But what I take away most from this trade is we now get a playable player come playoff time. Evan Turner was not playable. The only reason he really was thrown in to that game seven was because Rodney Hood got banged up in the third quarter. And he's strong. Those are the two reasons. Um, I was looking and seeing like Atlanta fans and they were like talking about Kent as in this is our team leader. This is this, this is that all these positive, positive things towards Kent Bazemore. And then you look at uh, a a section of the Portland fan base and you see the same things. So I think both teams get a good culture guy, whether it's Atlanta with Evan Turner or us with Kent Bazemore, like, Base base has always been a, a really good culture guy. I mean, I remember he fit in right away with, with Steph Curry in uh, Golden State. 
Actually, funny story. I remember reading an article a while back. Under Armour went through Kent Bazemore to get Steph Curry. That's one of the main reasons why Steph ended up with Under Armour. Um, so Kent secured the bag for from Under Armour, uh, is really tight with Steph still to this day. Um, just a great fan favorite. I mean, he had, he had the signature celebration where he got down on one knee and kind of wound up his arm like a guitar after every big three. Uh, so he went from basically a Pat Connaughton, like super sub, really hype man off the bench to a really productive player. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think Portland, hopefully we're still able to retain Rodney, but if not, we're, we're able to get a guy that's going to come in and play rotation minutes day one. And he's going to be good for Nasir, a vet. He, he, he was undrafted. He fought his way through the G league or would it be D league or G league at that time? It was the uh, D league, whatever. But he, he, he took a different way to get to the NBA, but he hustled and fought his ass off to get to this, to get to this point. So that's going to be good for Nasir to like, just talk with the guy for a year or maybe longer about like what it's like to be in the NBA do you think Evan Turner is going to do well in the fastest paced team in the NBA? I honestly, I know we don't have to worry, worry yeah, about him, but I like mean, it's, 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 I hate to be a dick, but it, it's not my problem to worry about Evan Turner anymore. Um, for whatever reason, he was really strong off of Boston's bench unit, but as I've seen the NBA evolve, I start believing it had less to do with Brad Stevens and more to do with the NBA just wasn't as shooting dependent as it is today. If you can't shoot, you can't play. And I think we're starting to see that with the Trailblazers roster. As much as he was beloved, Ed Davis had to go because the New Orleans Pelicans did not even respect him on the court during that playoff series. He wasn't able to create his own offense or be a catch and shoot threat. And the same could be said for, for Evan Turner. Um, You know, I, if, if they are going to push the pace, I, I could see Evan Turner. He's going to have his moments. He's going to throw a, a lot of sick lobs to, to John Collins and Cam Reddish. But he's also going to be a head scratcher and going to make that unnecessary flashy pass or just dribble into traffic and, you know, commit an unnecessary turnover. You know, at 31 years of age, Evan Turner is who he is. Uh, I don't think there mm-hmm. there's anything that he's going to, you know, all of a sudden uncover and – find the magic shooting touch or get the vision like magic Johnson. This is just who Evan is to me. I think this was more of a solid that the Atlanta Hawks did for, for Kent Bazemore and the Blazers really being in the right place at at the right time. Well, you see that with teams like, yo, you've been a loyal soldier to us for a long time. We're not going to compete. We have nothing but young guys. Here's this chance with a contending team. Get that chip or experience playoffs for the first time in a few years, man. Like Kent's been a ride or die guy for the Hawks, but I, I trust that he's going to be really good for the culture of this team. Absolutely. I mean, especially. So, do you think he takes Mohawkless a spot? Ooh, that, that, that's too that's too early to say. I, I don't think he's long he does have a seven wingspan seven foot wingspan which is great but he is only six five so he is on the shorter side if you want to play him at their traditional three however if the blazers decide to let aminu walk then are you playing harkless at the four then Bays goes to the three 
I'm, I'm just not sure. Are we bringing Rodney Hood back? To me, I think it's too early to speculate on the rotations just because we really don't know who's coming in free agency, who's going. The only certainty that I, I think that we can draw from this is that Anthony Simons is probably going to be given 20 minutes a night as, as the lead guard uh, on the second unit. And we can trade Kent at the deadline. If shit isn't working out, or if we have a feeling he doesn't want to resign, we can, we can trade him at the deadline since we traded for him this off season. So there, there's a lot of possibilities and a lot of opportunities for Neil O'Shea to do something with the Kent Bazemore contract. Um, yeah, what I love about moving Turner is, at least for the moment, it dispels any chance of Portland trying to put a package together for a larger contract like Kevin Love or Gordon Hayward. I, I think that is a move maybe Bob Whitsitt might have made 20 years ago, and it may sound great on paper, but once you actually put you know, get on the hardwood and lace up the sneakers with those guys. I'm just not certain that they're worth that value. Was Gordon Hayward a was Gordon Hayward a option? He has to be. I mean, he's thought. he's garbage, and the Celtics are paying way too much money for plus. him. And he's he's yeah. not coming off. He's not starting. He's coming off the bench. They have Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. So if the Celtics were smart, they'd absolutely be putting him on on the market. I mean, I've, I haven't heard anything concrete from any you know, reputable source, but reading through the tea leaves and looking at the depth charts and, you know, what a lot of chatter is on the forums, it seems like he's readily available. Yeah. I, I just don't think we're the team that would we shouldn't be the take team. him. We, we, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think this opens up the question of what's next, because we do have expirings that are valuable. Do you, I, I honestly think there's going to be another trade in the works probably before trade the, the open season for free agency happens. What are you thinking? I think Neil has been working the phones and absolutely we'll know before June 30th, whether we're going to have the, the tax mid level or the full mid level, you know, you look at a few teams, Sacramento is one of them. Dallas is one of them. They have a lot uh, of room. Are you the Knicks have like 70 million in? I mean, this is ridiculous. Are you able to move Mo Harkless just, just for nothing in return? You know, do we have to attach a first round pick? Do we have to attach a couple of seconds? That would shed enough salary to open up the full mid level. Have we had conversations with Rodney's agent, with Ennis's agent? Are they willing to? to take the tax mid-level? Do they need the full? So it, it's really tough to say, and I think those questions will be answered and they'll be determined by, by what move that, that that Neil makes. But to me, I think the floodgates have just started to, to open. And I don't think we see Myers moved because, frankly, I think he's going to... We're really light on center yeah, right he's now. He's going to be the starting center opening night, in, in my opinion. Where where I would look for the big deals for the Blazers, one, what are we doing with Alfred Camino? It, it it appears that Zach Collins is is going to take over that that starting power forward position. One, would Chief accept a backup role? And two, do you really want to pay a backup eight to ten million dollars? I'm I'm not really certain there. You know, we, we've dealt with that already for 
three, four years. I'm not trying to to pay a backup, you know, top twenty five money. You know, and then what does Portland do with with Jake Lehman? I mean, it seems like at the very least they they make him the qualifying offer and bring him back on a very reasonable contract. And then who do we go after in free agency? There, there is still a big hole either at the starting small forward or the starting power forward position, um, given given the options available. Like personally, I would still love to see Rodney Hood come back. I think he can start at that three spot. I think Portland's going to also need to be very smart in who they acquire with the veteran, the veterans minimum. You know, even Nick Stauskas before he was traded was a really solid pickup and helped us win a couple of games with his shooting. So what type of specialists can, can Neil go out there and, and acquire it's, it's really going to be, I think a lot of uh, kind of like a smorgasbord. Like what it's, I think we're going to play chess this, this off season, man. Like I think this move might lead to another move. So if, if that, like that 700 K, that like that we we took on leads to another move. I, I think that we can't look at this one move and be like, this is this is what the Blazers do. I think it's a series of moves that Neil's planned out and has numerous options of okay, if this doesn't happen, I got this, this, and this. So, I, like he probably has a pie in the sky, a B, C, and D of what he wants to do with this offseason because it is imp- it's important. And w- right now we have one healthy no we 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 have two bigs on the con uh, on our books right now, Zach Collins and Scow, right? That are healthy. Myers. So it, oh shit, Myers as well. But it, that's it. I think that Neil's going to have to do a lot of like you said moneyball moves to get these players and every cost control contract that we have is extremely valuable in trying to get those players on the edges in the uh, free agency. But I, the the Blazers aren't done yet. No, the Blazers aren't done, but I would also encourage fans to practice some patience. I I know we see the Utah jazz going out and and getting Mike Conley. Obviously Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant will not play next season. And I think there's this feeling that the 2020 season is the only chance for the Trailblazers to win the championship. And I think that thought process is a little problematic in the sense that we're not going to be a full squad. We're not going to be the best Blazers in 2020. And that's due to what happened back in March. Yusuf Nurkic you know, knock on wood, will return next season. But he's not going to be back to the 5 by 5 the the double-double Bosnian beast, probably until the fall of that 2020-2021 season. So Portland, the moves they make this year, I think need to set up for that 2021 run. That's the year that I'm eyeing the Blazers make a big push. Just because Durant and Thompson are out this year doesn't mean it's still not going to be open. Who knows how Kevin Durant's Achilles is going to react. LeBron James becomes another year older. It is still just as wide open as as it ever has been. So let's be patient. Rome wasn't built in the night. We Absolutely, there's a process. It is a process. We made the Western Conference Finals without Nurk, and I think we need to enjoy that and you know relish that for what it was. But that doesn't mean that that's going to be the norm 
it, teams get better, we have to match them. But we also have to be realistic in the fact that we we d- just don't know what Bosnian beast we are going to get. I mean, when you're talking about a big three and the biggest of the big three physically is an unknown for the next few months, it's really tough to project how the Blazers look heading into the upcoming season. And I think you need to be very careful and not just making knee-jerk trade reactions to what other teams are doing. Like the last thing this franchise needs is another Dale Davis for Jermaine O'Neal type of move or a Brian Grant for Sean Kemp type of move like the Blazers did after they lost to the Lakers in 2000. More more, more likely, if the Blazers just would have ran that back, they would have at least made it back to the Western Conference Finals with a really good chance of, of dethroning the Lakers. Instead, they they not they did more than tinker. They blew that goddamn thing up, and it got pretty volatile. And they went from best in the West at the All Star break to getting swept as the seventh seed. And not I, that's a that's an extreme example, but Portland just needs to be smart with their money, not take on any long term salary unless it's an All Star caliber player like Lamarcus Aldridge or Blake Griffin, and lean on Damon CJ to navigate this team through some choppy waters until until the big fella gets back. I mean, that's just what it's going to have to be. And I think a lot of teams will have expiring contracts in 2020, like a lot of money because of 2016. I don't want us to have free agency money in 2020 just because the class is awful. If you look at the class, it's absolutely atrocious. And everybody in their mom is going to have money. So you know that they're going to spend that money. Everyone has more money than there are good players. If we don't get into that, I think that's a humongous step forward because everybody in 2020 is getting overpaid. I would say that it's still good to have salary cap flexibility because when we when we did have salary cap flexibility – we were able to take on first round first round picks just for like Anderson Verjao's contract. I mean that that was wonderful. Um, we were able to you know we could we could be a team that gets TJ Warren and a thirty second pick just because we have salary cap space. So I, I think we also need to look at it not just in the sense of what's the twenty twenty free agency class, but hey, how can we get out of the luxury tax? How can we continue to open up the mid level? and have salary cap space and get cost team friendly deals because Dame Supermax is going to be kicking in pretty soon. We're going to have to have guys on really nice contracts to support him. Absolutely. But he hasn't, he hasn't signed it it's, yet. It's is... happening. Let's, let's be real. But uh, no, I, I just don't want us to have a fuck ton of money and then end up in the same boat as, Let's sign Evan Turner or that next free agents to, you know, maximum or, you know, top 15 talent money. That's true. Um, But I also don't want to use these expirings on a player like Kevin Love, who now we're we we literally would be in the same position where we have 40 million dollars tied up into one player for four more years. So I think Neil has to be very smart in who he targets with those expirings if he does. Do you, have you listened to the new da- those two Dame diss tracks? I have. What do you think about those two tracks, man? I mean, for, and then for him, Bagley's response. I, I, don't, I didn't even 
give Begley's response to the time of day. I'm, I'm a Dame stan uh, through thick and thin, but I thought they were pretty good. I mean, obviously he keep, kept it PG. I think he was just having fun with, with the kid. And I think even after it was done, Bagley said as much uh, on Twitter, but I mean, damn, just to drop two tracks on in the middle of draft night, that that's that that's what makes this league so so fun to be a part of 365 days a year. Yeah. I thought they were good. I honestly thought they were pretty all right. You know, it's not there's been a lot of diss tracks in hip hop history. You don't want to listen to Ether every day or Second Round Knockout every day. So those diss tracks are fun for a singular time and then it's like, okay, that's cool. I don't need to listen to that shit, that, that joint again. Let's get into some fan questions, B. Oh, shit. You have fan questions. Oh, shit. Yeah, you're goddamn right. We have fan questions. All right. So, at Brutal Telling wants to know, do you think Neil should or will look to add a backup point guard who could serve as the primary distributor, freeing Simons and Baysmore to play off the ball? Asking Anthony uh, to run the offense seems a little ambitious. He offers the suggestion that TJ McConnell could be a cheap free agent option. I bet they keep him in Philly. Um, yeah, I definitely think there will be a fifth guard, and that person will be a classic playmaking point guard. But I think that Anthony deservedly gets the first chance at getting that playmaker role off the bench. But I definitely think they're going to bring an old vet in that knows the game and can playmake for the others off that that bench you love Devin Harris I brought that up last year I still think Devin Harris would be a very good pick but it's going to be a, a a grizzled vet point guard that I think will be the fifth fifth guard on the team yeah fifth, or, fifth you know, guard maybe likely DNPs a lot of the times mostly there in a pinch um in case someone gets injured um Jameer Nelson type of player Jameer Nelson type of player exactly someone who can knock down an open shot has experience running an offense is a good fit in the locker room, but you know this is this is Penny's time. Uh, he's best with the ball in his hands, and as the the floor general for the second unit, you can you're afforded the luxury to look for your shot a little bit more. You know we definitely can always use the bench scoring. So you know I think this these moves have, have set up Simons for success to really go out and, and run that show. Do you think when we drafted Simons, he was destined to be the the point guard of the future. Honestly, I think Neil saw the highest possible ceiling, whether that was a Dame or a CJ potential replacement seven to 10 years down the road. That's what it was. And he's kind of molded his way into more of a point guard. I mean, he was listed as a shooting guard prospect coming out of high school. I think he's definitely more of a, of a lead guard, but again, we're in a positionless NBA. Either you have the ball in your hands, you're on the wing or you're in the post. He's primarily a beast with the ball in his hands, and he's got really good size to play that that lead guard. So um, it's looking more like game than CJ. Because I think that if you drafted a, a guard, a, a playmaking guard, you got to give him the chances to fail and learn from it. And there is a role for him to do that. So I think that Simons is going to get his time He's going to make his mistakes and Terry, if he's, if he's on his shit and sees a future in this team is going to make him play through it. Like if I was a coach, he, if he plays, makes a mistake, 
The only time I take him out is if he looks at me with like sad eyes. That's the only time I take him out because he has to learn from his mistakes. Yeah, Terry cannot. Terry cannot do what he did to Thomas Robinson, Joel Freeland, Myers Leonard, Victor Claver, where they would play one night, maybe play seven straight nights, and then not see the floor for two weeks. They get extended run, then short run. He's got to have a defined role. His responsibilities need to be clearly laid out for him, and yeah. He, he needs to stay in there and play through his mistakes. Another question along the same lines from at Daniel Prince, what do the Blazers need to do next and how do they get it done? And then he obviously asks, is Simons really ready for backup point and guard duties, which, which we've covered. So what's next? What, what, if you were to predict what is the next move, we've kind of talked about it, but what would be the next move in your eyes? Probably generate more money for that uh, that full MLE somehow. Be creative with that, and I wouldn't be surprised if we we make a trade for Mo or Myers just because of the expirings. But that's my I don't know, like, that's my guess as well. I think it will be Harkless. I think you have to keep Myers given given Nurkic's injury status, and I think what if you get a center back or two. I still think you got to keep Myers. Um, Absolutely. I I think so too, but. Because even if you keep Ennis Cantor, who's playing center for you? I I know Zach Collins views himself better as a five than a four, but unless he magically gained 25 pounds of muscle overnight, he's not ready to bang with, with some of the bigs down low. He is a four at the moment. So even if Ennis comes back, I would feel com- more comfortable with Myers. And also I've got a sneaky feeling that he is going to have a fabulous season in free agency. Do you think we go after the Kylo Quinn's of the world, those bigger type of centers that are ch- going to be cheap just because there's a lot of good centers out there. Uh, Dwayne Bedman's a popular person I've been hearing. Do you think we go after those tier of bigs just for more depth? I think a backup either a starting level or a, a sixth man type of power forward who can stretch the floor. I think is that Kyle O'Quinn? No, 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 no. I think they're, but we, they're, they're, they need a, they need a power forward. Who's going to stretch the floor. I don't think Kyle O'Quinn can't shoot. Not from down. I think he's developed it in Indiana or something. Mm-hmm. I don't he, he, yo, he's, I think that there are going to be bigs that we will be signing with our limited amount of assets. So yes, my Myers is going to be very important. But I think that we will be focusing on getting talented, cheap bigs because in this day in, N- in NBA history, you could or in the NBA, you can go to the garbage uh, pile and pick out a guy that can get you what you need as a fourth big way more easily than you can find a wing or a, a guard. There's a lot more talented bigs in the NBA for us to get. So yeah, I think Myers is important, but I definitely expect us to go after some bigs. I don't think. Neil's going to attach a first round pick to move off either of those contracts. If he hasn't done it now, he just won't do it. I think he values them and rightfully so. Very. Are we very talking highly. about the beginning of the year or no, at the he just he's, he's never seemed to be willing to attach a first round pick to move off of money. So, but do you think that they're going to be on the team at the deadline? It's too early for me to tell. Word. Uh, but yeah, I think we answered the question. I mean, it's tough. I mean, we, we've discussed why there are so many, you know, unpredictable factors. 
and uh, and Neil never goes with the most predictable thing, except for Nasir Little. Like we didn't think that we were getting Nurk in a first. We thought Jason Ta- uh, Jason Smith in a first. Question, not really a question, but something we can answer. It's from at Bob Deeger. Says I'm a fan of the trade, but I don't have a question about it. However, I've always wanted to know who was responsible for your theme music. I like to imagine that it's Paul Stanley from Kiss singing about Rip City. So, fun fact, our intro music is Too Hot to Stop It. It was on the 9091 Trailblazers video yearbook. They released it with the cassette. Um, It was sandwiched in between 1990s Rip City Rhapsody and 1992's Bust a Bucket. Um, I believe you had Terry and Jerome and buck and i believe those three were on that track i'd have to go back and look through the credits to see who it actually was but you know they used to make like three or four tracks i think they did it through z100 back in the day the radio station and that's my personal favorite blazers track of all time it also has if you listen to it it has a mike rice cameo and the reason we use it for this show is bill shonley who i credit for the namesake of this podcast has uh, a really good holy backboard uh, catchphrase um, after you know Terry Porter just just drills a, a big time three. Coincidentally enough, it was against the Atlanta Hawks. So, long story short, that is what the theme song for our podcast is. Hell yeah! Um, we're rapping. I, I have a feeling that you and I are going to see each other pretty soon in the next few days, man. Did you? Were you about to say something right before I was um, answering one of those fan questions? I started to see your mouth move, but then I went with the fan question. It was so. Oh shit! Shit! Yeah. Okay. Can I tell a story about Alvin Gentry and Goran Dragic? Okay. Um, how does that have to do with Kent Pacemore? But sure. No, it was about Anthony Simons. Okay. Okay. Because uh, Gentry was the coach of the the Suns team with Goran, and. He told them, you have your 15 minutes a night. Go and make your mistakes. Play your heart out. But if you look at me after one of your mistakes, I'm taking you out for the rest of the game. But you have your 15 minutes. Use it to your advantage. I think that's what Terry Stotts has to do with uh, Anthony Simons this year. I love it. I brought it back. I brought, I brought it back. And I, th- I was like, I saw your mouth move, and I was like, question. And I just was in too deep. And so I was just hoping that you would remember it. All right, so we are the Holby Backboard. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Nothing But Net Radio, Himalaya Podcast. Uh, rate and five-star us on iTunes. And you're a real one for listening. We will be back with more content soon. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go!